0: Holy Gospel according to Matthew. Glory to you, O Lord. Then Jesus was led up by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. After he had fasted forty days and forty nights, he was hungry. Then the tempter approached him and said, If you are the Son of God, tell these stones to become bread. He answered, It is written, Man must not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. Then the devil took him to the holy city, had him stand on the pinnacle of the temple, and said to him, If you are the Son of God, throw yourself down, for it is written, He will give his angels orders concerning you, and they will support you with their hands, so that you will not strike your foot against a stone. Jesus told him, It is also written, Do not test the Lord your God. Again, the devil took him to a very high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their splendor. And he said to him, I will give you all these things if you will fall down and worship me. Then Jesus told him, Go away, Satan, for it is written, Worship the Lord your God and serve only him. Then the devil left him and angels came and began to serve him. This is the gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, O Christ. You may be seated. And let us pray. Gracious God, send forth your Spirit by the power of your Word to create faith, to forgive sin, and to grow our love for you and for one another. Amen. Every temptation that comes is an attack on the promises of God for you every temptation that comes to you is an attempt to try and erase the word that god has spoken over you we can try and trivialize temptation we try and turn it into to something little like oh pastor you don't mean that one piece of chocolate i snuck this morning with breakfast or or pastor you don't mean that just one more ice cold beer or maybe that issue coming up in a relationship causing you to rethink some things. We'll trivialize temptation into these these little things. Well I don't want to be tempted usually with food, drink, video games, whatever. And then we also trivialize the other side of it, this picture that we're given here in our scriptures this morning of, of this battle between uh, good and evil, between, between, between God and, and, and the devil and, and Satan in part because we're so enlightened, we can't possibly believe that there's something evil out there trying to, to cause havoc. And yet, because of all this trivialization, often we see temptation as, as not that big of a deal but i will say it again it comes to us not not to to throw us into sin but to remove from us any hope that we might have in the promise of god and it began back in the garden this the story that most of us know the story that that most of us make as myth uh, genesis 3 julie read it for us there in eden and we hear the first temptation come out of the mouth of the serpent out of the devil and what does he say but did god really say did what god said to you was it true was it some form of a promise and then we all know what happens after that the results being this cutting off of the, two first, the first couple and, and cast out of the garden. This, this severing of the relationship between the pinnacle of God's creation because being the only thing that he says we're going to make them in our image and God himself. This breaking of that. But then also, I don't know if you heard this or not. We, we talked about this at Men's Bible Study. But God then takes the creative process and he adds labor to it. He adds pain to it. Because there in Genesis 3 is this attempt on our part led by the devil to remove the promise of God remove God even himself because we just want to trust in ourselves and so God says, okay, you think you can be me? You try and create out of dust. Man, you try and labor and not have weeds not have famine and drought. And oh, by the way, ladies, it's going to hurt when you bring forth creation into the world pain and anguish and labor to remind us of our mortality and yet again temptation doesn't come to punish us and there is no necessary temptation that results in punishment sometimes but here we have in the picture then of christ in matthew 4 we have him living that out all over again for us this is post-baptism this is post after jesus has been told you are my beloved son in whom i'm well pleased and the devil comes to him and what does the devil say well if you are the son of god that's just another way of saying did god really say coming to steal from jesus himself the very promise of god given to him And so it comes to rob us, to harm us, to cause us to doubt what it is that God gives us. And so so the devil comes to to Christ and also comes to us. And basically, the three things that we always get anxious about, the three things that we always want to doubt God in, uh, uh, the provision he provides for us is protection, and then prestige or power. The devil comes to Jesus at his weakest moment. He's hungry. And he says, well, if you really are the Son of God, turn these stones into bread. You can do it, Jesus. You are the Word of God, after all. Back in Genesis 1, you created everything just by speaking the Word, so, so you can do it here. I know you're hungry. Church, I wonder, how many of us have been watching the stock market this last week? How many of us have had to go to uh, Walgreens or Walmart to get a prescription lately? prices keep going up how many of us have seen the prices of groceries increase or gas or whatever and that's so many of the ways that the world and the devil come to us to try and cause us to doubt that God provides and yet we have God speaking to us telling us in our baptism that we are his beloved child trusting that for instance in the first article of the creed we believe that in god almighty creator of heaven and earth and luther comes to us and tells us well what that means is this i believe that god has created me and all that exists that he has given me and he still sustains my body and soul my limbs and senses my reason and all mental faculties together with food and clothing house and home family and property and all the necessities of life do we believe that church that god provides us for those things if maybe we have to skip a meal one day or if maybe our 401k takes a hit? Or if maybe we can't afford that one prescription, do we still believe that God provides? It was one of the discussions, I've, I've preached about it before here, but one of the discussions we had at the 30 hour famine a couple of years ago, Ramsey probably remembers this, we, we wanted to talk about is three meals a day normal? Or are we blessed by having three meals a day, or more a day? whereas maybe what's normal is two or one. The blessings of God, the provision of God coming to us, even in something so simple as a third meal. Well, then the devil comes after Jesus, dealing with protection, and he does it in this weird way. He takes Jesus up onto the highest point in Jerusalem, and he says... Throw yourself down. You say that you, you, you trust in the word of God because you had said before that, that man does not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes out of the mouth of God. Well, what I'm going to do for you, Jesus, is I'm going to quote scripture. I'm going to quote it out of context. And then I want you to throw yourself down because if you actually believe God's promise for you, he'll protect you not to mention the fact that you can show yourself to the world in all your glory in all your power because the angels will come and and, and lift you up in front of all the people that are standing in the in the promenade of the the, the temple and so jesus has to say no you don't put god to the test one of the struggles that we have church is that when the dark night of the soul comes to us when the when the lights go out when we start walking through the valley of the shadow of death do we trust that God is still our God do we trust that God is with us through the good times and the bad Christ actually comes to us church and tells us that the life of the Christian is not a life of everything being peaches and cream he actually tells us tells us that oh yeah by the way i'm going to die i'm going to rise i'm going to ascend into heaven and i'm going to send you out to preach the gospel and oh by the way they're going to persecute you and they're going to kill you and suffering is going to come in this life jesus comes and tells us and so i wonder if if god still remains god if he still remains this god of the promise when you are on your deathbed because that is the truth of the gospel for us. That is the truth of what God comes to speak to you, telling you in the, in the very beginning that he is your God and you are his. And death cannot change that. Pain cannot change that. Suffering cannot change that. And so when the pain and hardship of life come to us, it's no way to try and get us to believe that God doesn't love us anymore. That he won't take care of us. Well, lastly, the devil comes to Jesus and, and often the world comes to us as well and, and brings us prestige, brings us power. And He says, oh, you just have to do one little thing. Just, just bow down to me, worship me just for a second. I'm going to give you all this stuff, Jesus. In part, coming to Jesus and saying to him, well, Jesus, I know you're supposed to be the Messiah. Well, well the whole world has this idea about, about, about saviors. And the saviors usually have skin on They usually come in power. They usually come in might. So why don't you just bow down to me and I'm going to give you a kingdom and a uniform and medals and a crown and a throne to sit on and people will come and worship you and give you you homage and glory. All you have to do is bow down to me. Coming to attack the first commandment where God says, I am the Lord your God who brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of slavery. You shall have no other gods. And Jesus throws it back in the devil's face and says, no, we worship God alone. Being able to say that every time we attempt to create God's kingdom on earth, which more often than not looks like whatever kingdom we want it to look like, God says, no, my kingdom is going to come, and it's going to come in a way that you are not going to understand. For instance, a throne that looks like a cross, A crown that looks like a crown of thorns. Power that looks like weakness, a body broken and blood shed for you. You see, church, these these temptations, so often we want our preachers to tell us, okay, well, here's these things that you shouldn't do and you won't fall into these temptations. But these temptations come to us all the time because the devil and the world and our own sin are after that promise of God over you. That promise that continually has to come back to us. It's interesting. Lent always comes back in our faces every year. Just like New Year's, we always make those resolutions and we always fail. And Lent comes back to us every year, I think, in the providence of God so that God might remind us, number one, you're not alone, but number two, you can't do this on your own. Lent coming back to remind us that we need Christ to come to us in his promise at all times because we are very bad at keeping promises ourselves. Well, it's the good news for us this morning, church, is that not only do we have Christ trying to hold up the promises of God for us, but we also have Christ standing in our stead there in Matthew 4 because All the time, we fail at those temptations. We fail at fighting those, and yet Christ steps in as our substitute in our place to be tempted in all ways just as we are, as Hebrews says, but without sin. That he might take that temptation for us and prevail. So even though we fail, what God sees is Jesus' victory in that because the wonderful thing about lutheran theology is we have the frulich of vexel the, the 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 beautiful exchange the happy exchange in which christ comes and he takes all our sin he takes all our shame he takes all our guilt he takes all our pain he takes all our anger he takes all our failings and he soaks it up like a sponge and then he takes it to the cross and he kills all those things and they get buried in the tomb and then he rises and they get left there dead and what god then does is he gives us all of jesus purity all of jesus righteousness all of jesus beauty all of jesus power and might so that when god looks at us even though we're sinners he sees us as christ always marley read it to us on wednesday second corinthians five twenty. he made him who knew no sin to become sin for us that we might have the righteousness of god in him that christ might take those things away julie read out of genesis 3 and i love the ending portion of that section because after all the failings of adam and eve and, and and the pronouncement of curses and all these other things what do we see god doing but he kills an animal as a sacrifice and he creates coverings for adam and eve he covers them he clothes them to cover up their shame to take it away That is the work of Christ for us. This Lent, that is the work of Christ. So as we are making this journey towards the cross, these 40 days of Lent, as we are making our way to Good Friday, be reminded, church, of the promise of God, that God comes to cover you, to take care of you, to watch out for you, because he's promised and he will do it. Thanks be to God. Amen.